Part five of Timaeus. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Timaeus by Plato, translated by Benjamin Jowett. Part five. Timaeus continues. Unless a person comes to an understanding about the nature and conditions of rest and motion, he will meet with many difficulties in the discussion which follows. Something has been said of this matter already, and something more remains to be said, which is that motion never exists in what is uniform. For to conceive that anything can be moved without a mover is hard, or indeed impossible, and equally impossible to conceive that there can be a mover unless there be something which can be moved. Motion cannot exist where either of these are wanting, and for these to be uniform is impossible. Wherefore, we must assign rest to uniformity and motion to the want of uniformity. Now, inequality is the cause of the nature which is wanting in uniformity, and of this we have already described the origin. But there still remains the further point, why things, when divided after their kinds, do not cease to pass through one another and to change their place, which we will now proceed to explain. In the revolution of the universe are comprehended all the four elements, and this being circular, and having a tendency to come together, compresses everything, and will not allow any place to be left void. Wherefore also fire above all things penetrates everywhere, and air next, as being next in rarity of the elements, and the two other elements in like manner penetrate according to their degrees of rarity. For those things which are composed of the largest particles have the largest void left in their compositions, and those which are composed of the smallest particles have the least. And the contraction caused by the compression thrusts the smaller particles into the interstices of the larger. And thus, when the small parts are placed side by side with the larger, and the lesser divide the greater, and the greater unite the lesser, all the elements are borne up and down and hither and thither towards their own places, for the change in the size of each changes its position in space. And these causes generate an inequality which is always maintained, and is continually creating a perpetual motion of the elements in all time. In the next place we have to consider that there are diverse kinds of fire. There are, for example, first, flame, and secondly, those emanations of flame which do not burn but only give light to the eyes. Thirdly, the remains of fire, which are seen in red-hot embers after the flame has been extinguished. There are similar differences in the air, of which the brightest part is called the ether, and the most turbid sort, mist and darkness and there are various other nameless kinds which arise from the inequality of the triangles. Water, again, admits in the first place of a division into two kinds, the one liquid and the other fusile. The liquid kind is composed of the small and unequal particles of water, and moves itself and is moved by other bodies owing to the want of uniformity and the shape of its particles. Whereas the fusile kind, being formed of large and uniform particles, is more stable than the other, and is heavy and compact by reason of its uniformity. But when fire gets in, and dissolves the particles, and destroys the uniformity, it has greater mobility, and becoming fluid is thrust forth by the neighbouring air, and spreads upon the earth. 
and this dissolution of the solid masses is called melting, and their spreading out upon the earth flowing. Again, when the fire goes out of the fusile substance, it does not pass into a vacuum, but into the neighboring air, and the air which is displaced forces together the liquid and still movable mass into the place which was occupied by the fire, and unites it with itself. Thus compressed, the mass resumes its equability, and is again at unity with itself, because the fire which was the author of the inequality has retreated, and this departure of the fire is called cooling, and the coming together which follows upon it is termed congealment. Of all the kinds termed fusile, that which is the densest, and is formed out of the finest and most uniform parts, is that most precious possession called gold, which is hardened by filtration through rock. This is unique in kind, and has both a glittering and a yellow colour. A shoot of gold, which is so dense as to be very hard, and takes a black colour, is termed adamant. There is also another kind, which has parts nearly like gold, and of which there are several species. It is denser than gold, and it contains a small and fine portion of earth, and is therefore harder, yet also lighter, because of the great interstices which it has within itself. And this substance, which is one of the bright and denser kinds of water, when solidified is called copper. There is an alloy of earth mingled with it, which, when the two parts grow old and are disunited, shows itself separately and is called rust. The remaining phenomena of the same kind there will be no difficulty in reasoning out by the method of probabilities. A man may sometimes set aside meditations about eternal things, and for recreation turn to consider the truths of generation which are probable only. He will thus gain a pleasure not to be repented of, and secure for himself, while he lives, a wise and moderate pastime. Let us grant ourselves this indulgence, and go through the probabilities relating to the same subjects which follow next in order. Water which is mingled with fire, so much as is fine and liquid, being so called by reason of its motion and the way in which it rolls along the ground, and soft, because its bases give way and are less stable than those of earth, when separated from fire and air and isolated, becomes more uniform, and by their retirement is compressed into itself. And if the condensation it be very great, the water above the earth becomes hail, but on the earth ice. And that which is congealed in a less degree, and is only half solid, when above the earth is called snow, and when upon the earth, and condensed from dew, hoar-frost. Then again, there are the numerous kinds of water which have been mingled with one another, and are distilled through plants which grow in the earth, and this whole class is called by the name of juices, or saps. The unequal admixture of these fluids creates a variety of species. Most of them are nameless, but four which are of a fiery nature are clearly distinguished and have names. First, there is wine, which warms the soul as well as the body. Secondly, there is the oily nature, which is smooth and divides the visual ray, and for this reason is bright and shining and of a glistening appearance, including pitch, the juice of the castorberry, oil itself, and other things of a like kind. Thirdly, there is the class of substances which expand the contracted parts of the mouth until they return to their natural state, and by reason of this property create sweetness. These are included under the general name of honey. 
And lastly, there is a frothy nature, which differs from all juices, having a burning quality which dissolves the flesh. It is called opos, a vegetable acid. As to the kinds of earth, that which is filtered through water passes into stone in the following manner. The water which mixes with the earth and is broken up in the process changes into air, and taking this form mounts into its own place. But as there is no surrounding vacuum, it thrusts away the neighbouring air, and this being rendered heavy, and, when it is displaced, having been poured around the mass of earth, forcibly compresses it and drives it into the vacant space whence the new air had come up, and the earth, when compressed by the air into an indissoluble union with water, becomes rock. The fairer sort is that which is made up of equal and similar parts, and is transparent. That which has the opposite qualities is inferior. But when all the watery part is suddenly drawn out by fire, a more brittle substance is formed, to which we give the name of pottery. Sometimes also moisture may remain, and the earth which has been fused by fire becomes, when cool, a certain stone of a black colour. A like separation of the water which had been copiously mingled with them may occur in two substances composed of finer particles of earth and of a briny nature. Out of either of them a half-solid body is then formed, soluble in water, the one, soda, which is used for purging away oil and earth, the other, salt, which harmonizes so well in combinations pleasing to the palate, and is, as the law testifies, a substance dear to the gods. The compounds of earth and water are not soluble by water, but by fire only, and for this reason. Neither fire nor air melt masses of earth, for their particles, being smaller than the interstices in its structure, have plenty of room to move without forcing their way, and so they leave the earth unmelted and undissolved. But particles of water, which are larger, force a passage, and dissolve and melt the earth. Wherefore earth, when not consolidated by force, is dissolved by water only, when consolidated by nothing but fire, for this is the only body which can find an entrance. The cohesion of water again, when very strong, is dissolved by fire only, when weaker, then either by air or fire, the former entering the interstices, and the latter penetrating even the triangles. But nothing can dissolve air when strongly condensed, which does not reach the elements or triangles, or, if not strongly condensed, then only fire can dissolve it. As to bodies composed of earth and water, while the water occupies the vacant interstices of the earth in them, which are compressed by force, the particles of water which approach them from without, finding no entrance, flow around the entire mass and leave it undissolved. But the particles of fire, entering into the interstices of the water, do to the water what water does to earth and fire to air. Side note, the text seems to be corrupt. End side note and are the sole causes of the compound body of earth and water liquefying and becoming fluid. Now these bodies are of two kinds. Some of them, such as glass and the fusible sort of stones, have less water than they have earth. On the other hand, substances of the nature of wax and incense have more of water entering into their composition. I have thus shown the various classes of bodies as they are diversified by their forms and combinations and changes into one another, and now I must endeavour to set forth their affections and the causes of them. In the first place, the bodies which I have been describing are necessarily objects of sense, 
but we have not yet considered the origin of flesh, or what belongs to flesh, or of that part of the soul which is mortal, and these things cannot be adequately explained without also explaining the affections which are concerned with sensation, nor the latter without the former, and yet to explain them together is hardly possible for which reason we must assume first one or the other, and afterwards examine the nature of our hypothesis. In order, then, that the affections may follow regularly after the elements, let us presuppose the existence of body and soul. First, let us inquire what we mean by saying that fire is hot, and about this we may reason from the dividing or cutting power which it exercises on our bodies. We all of us feel that fire is sharp, and we may further consider the fineness of the sides, and the sharpness of the angles, and the smallness of the particles, and the swiftness of the motion. All this makes the action of fire violent and sharp, so that it cuts whatever it meets. And we must not forget that the original figure of fire, that is, the pyramid, more than any other form, has a dividing power which cuts our bodies into small pieces. Kepmatisei and thus naturally produces that affection which we call heat, and hence the origin of the name, tepmos, kepma. Now, the opposite of this is sufficiently manifest. Nevertheless, we will not fail to describe it. For the larger particles of moisture, which surround the body, entering in and driving out the lesser, but not being able to take their places, compress the moist principle in us, and this, from being unequal and disturbed, is forced by them into a state of rest, which is due to equability and compression. But things which are contracted, contrary to nature, are by nature at war, and force themselves apart, and to this war and convulsion the name of shivering and trembling is given, and the whole affection and the cause of the affection are both termed cold, that is called hard to which our flesh yields, and soft which yields to our flesh, and things are also termed hard and soft relatively to one another. That which yields has a small base, but that which rests on quadrangular bases is firmly posed and belongs to the class which offers the greatest resistance. So too does that which is the most compact and therefore most repellent. The nature of the light and the heavy will be best understood when examined in connection with our notions of above and below. For it is quite a mistake to suppose that the universe is parted into two regions, separate from and opposite to each other, the one a lower to which all things tend which have any bulk, and an upper to which things only ascend against their will. For, as the universe is in the form of a sphere, all the extremities, being equidistant from the centre, are equally extremities, and the centre, which is equidistant from them, is equally to be regarded as the opposite of them all. Such being the nature of the world, when a person says that any of these points is above or below, may he not be justly charged with using an improper expression? For the centre of the world cannot be rightly called either above or below, but is the centre and nothing else. And the circumference is not the centre, and has in no one part of itself a different relation to the centre from what it has in any of the opposite parts. Indeed, when it is in every direction similar, how can one rightly give to it names which imply opposition? For if there were any solid body in equipoise at the centre of the universe, there would be nothing to draw it to this extreme rather than to that, 
for they are all perfectly similar, and if a person were to go round the world in a circle, he would often, when standing at the antipodes of his former position, speak of the same point as above and below. For, as I was saying just now, to speak of the whole which is in the form of a globe as having one part above and another below is not like a sensible man. The reason why these names are used, and the circumstances under which they are ordinarily applied by us to the division of the heavens, may be elucidated by the following supposition. If a person were to stand in that part of the universe which is the appointed place of fire, and where there is the great mass of fire to which fiery bodies gather, if, I say, he were to ascend thither, and having the power to do this, were to abstract particles of fire, and put them in scales and weigh them, and then, raising the balance, were to draw the fire by force towards the uncongenial element of the air, it would be very evident that he could compel the smaller mass more readily than the larger. For, when two things are simultaneously raised by one and the same power, the smaller body must necessarily yield to the superior power with less reluctance than the larger, and the larger body is called heavy and set to tend downwards, and the smaller body is called light and set to tend upwards. And we may detect ourselves, who are upon the earth, doing precisely the same thing. For we often separate earthy natures, and sometimes earth itself, and draw them into the uncongenial element of air by force and contrary to nature, both clinging to their kindred elements. But that which is smaller yields to the impulse given by us towards the dissimilar element more easily than the larger, and so we call the former light, and the place towards which it is impelled we call above, and the contrary state and place we call heavy and below, respectively. Now, the relations of these must necessarily vary, because the principal masses of the different elements hold opposite positions. For that which is light, heavy, below or above, in one place, will be found to be, and become, contrary and transverse, and every way diverse in relation to that which is light, heavy, below or above, in an opposite place. And about all of them this has to be considered, that the tendency of each towards its kindred element makes the body which is moved heavy, and the place towards which the motion tends below, but things which have an opposite tendency we call by an opposite name. Such are the causes which we assign to these phenomena. As to the smooth and the rough, any one who sees them can explain the reason of them to another, for roughness is hardness mingled with irregularity, and smoothness is produced by the joint effect of uniformity and density. End of part five.